Welcome to episode 136 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. If you want to burn fat, gain energy, and enhance your health by changing when you eat, not what you eat, with no calorie counting, then this show is for you. I'm Melanie Avalon, author of What, When, Why, Lose Weight and Feel Great with Paleo-Style Meals, Intermittent Fasting, and Wine. And I'm here with my co-host, Jen Stevens, author of Delay, Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. For more on us, check out ifpodcast.com, melanieavalon.com, and jinstevens.com. Please remember, the thoughts and opinions on this podcast do not constitute medical advice or treatment. So, pour yourself a cup of black coffee, a mug of tea, or even a glass of wine, (laughs) if it's that time, and get ready for the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Hi friends. So I'm sort of haunted by clothes. If you follow me on Instagram, you probably know that I love wearing all the new clothes all the time. And I know that that is not really sustainable and not good for the planet. That's why I am thrilled that there is now a way to get all of the clothes with none of the waste. And I'm going to tell you how you can get unlimited clothes with no waste for a month for free. That's right, I now have a website for both myself and you guys where you can get free unlimited clothes with free shipping, free exchanges, nonstop from all of the hottest brands, and it is so incredibly easy. It's called MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com. We have so many incredible brands, including my favorites like BCBG, Calvin Klein, and so many more. Think like 100 brands. There are so many options. And the way it works is when you get a subscription, you search through the clothes, pick what you want. They send it to you with fast, easy shipping. You wear it as long as you want. And then when you're ready for more clothes, you just drop it off in their prepackaged envelope and get your next round. It is so incredibly cool. They have multiple plans. The starter plan gives you two pieces at a time. Friends, I actually have a little secret hacked. Don't tell them that I told you this. When you get your two pieces, you can actually immediately go into your account, click return, and they'll go ahead and send you the next two pieces. So technically you can have four pieces at a time. You also have a cool virtual closet that you can keep stocked with everything you eventually want to order so you never miss out. And if you really like something and want to keep it, you can opt to buy it at a massively discounted price. Friends, I'm obsessed. This is finally the answer to wearing all the clothes all the time with none of the waste, Oh, and of course, one of my major reservations was the cleaning compounds that they use on the clothes because yes, it is dry cleaning, which normally makes me nervous. And they don't say this on the website. So I reached out to them and I was like, hey, what's going on with the cleaning? What do you guys use? Because I can't promote this if it's just normal dry cleaning. And thankfully, they let me know that they do not use any detergents, fabric softeners, or chemicals that are harsh. Everything is professionally dry cleaned or laundered with detergents that are free from dyes and scents. It's all gentle and it uses low temperature cycles. So yes, we are good on that front as well. It is the coolest thing ever. And you can try it free for a month. Yes, completely free. Just go to MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com to sign up. Free clothes for a month. After that, their plans are super affordable. We're talking honestly, an entire month is less than the cost of typically what would be the cost of one dress. And I am not kidding. That's right. Unlimited clothes for less than the cost of one outfit. 
I'm just so thrilled to bring this resource to you guys. I can't wait to hear what you guys think. So again, get free unlimited clothes for a month at melanieavalonscloset.com. That's melanieavalonscloset.com for all of the clothes, none of the waste. And definitely share your pictures and tag me on Instagram because I want to see all the fabulous things that you guys are wearing. That's melanieavalonscloset.com. One more thing before we jump in. Did you know that common ingredients found in skincare and makeup products can actually disrupt your endocrine system? These endocrine disruptors are a silent threat that can have significant impact on your health, including something that is very important to me, fertility. Your skin is your body's largest organ and what you put on it matters. Endocrine disruptors are chemicals that interfere with the natural hormonal communication in the body. It also matters during pregnancy. And that's one of the reasons I pay close attention to what I put on my skin while being pregnant. Studies have shown that exposure to endocrine disruptors can affect both male and female fertility. For women, these disruptors can lead to irregular menstrual cycles, ovulation issues, and even polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS. In men, they can reduce sperm quality and quantity, making it even more challenging to conceive. But it's not just about fertility. When it comes to fat loss, one of the reasons that endocrine disruptors can get in the way of fat loss is because a lot of our toxins are actually stored in our fat. It's a way that our bodies protect us from those toxins. These toxic compounds can even work synergistically, amplifying their harmful effects and making it that much harder to shed unwanted body fat. All of these reasons are why I am obsessed with a company called Beauty Counter. The founder actually started the company when she learned about the potential dangers of toxic chemicals and their link to health issues, specifically miscarriages and infertility. While pregnant, I make sure to only use Beauty Counter products. It's one of the only makeup lines that is officially recommended from the Environmental Working Group. What really sets Beauty Counter apart is their unwavering commitment to protecting us, the consumers, from the hidden dangers that lurk in conventional beauty products. Beauty Counter goes above and beyond, rigorously screening every single ingredient that goes into their products, ensuring that they are safe, clean, and free from harmful toxins. They're not just a beauty brand, they're a movement for change, advocating for stronger regulations in the beauty industry. With Beauty Counter, I know that I can trust that the skincare and makeup that I use are not only effective, but also safe for me and my family. They have skincare lines for every skin type, as well as so many other incredible products. I absolutely love their overnight resurfacing peel. It's my favorite way to get anti-aging benefits in a skincare product. The makeup is absolutely amazing. I have tried alternative beauty products in the past and none of them truly performed. But with Beauty Counter, the foundation is so amazing. It makes me feel like my skin can breathe and it looks so dewy and beautiful. You can shop with me at beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. New customers can use the code CLEANFORALL20 for 20% off their first order. Beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. All right, friends, now back to the show. Welcome back to the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. So today's episode is actually part two of a fascinating conversation that Jen and I had with Matt Gallant and Wade Lightheart from the company By Optimizers. We initially intended for it to be one episode, but the conversation was just so fascinating, so intense, so scientific. We talked about so many things that we just had to split it up into two episodes so we could keep talking long enough. 
So definitely listen to last week's episode, part one first, and then this episode, because we do reference some of the things that we discussed in that episode. Yeah. So I, I started fasting about 20 years ago as a, as a practice kind of before it was cool, just made sense to me. And, and I started to get the benefits. And one of the things that I did is I started doing extended fasts up to 10 days just on water. And I would track my results relative like a three or five or 10 day fast without enzymes. And then I started to add what I call super physiological dosages of enzymes. So for those people who are want to be on the bleeding edge or really want to experiment with this, <laughs> you'll love this. So I started taking dosages of, you know, a hundred enzymes at a time. I actually peaked at a thousand in a day, which is a little excessive, but I was taking a hundred masszymes a day and I was able to elicit recovery or some people would call it a crisis. So I can remember when fasting, I was doing it high levels and it felt this strange pain in my liver for a few days. I tried to get it out through a variety of methods. And then I ended up, I kept pounding the, ends, the masszymes. And then I, I took, <laughs> I drank a, a liter of salt water brine to go with it, which if you haven't done that, that's pretty hardcore. But I, I ejected this bright yellow toxic material that came right out of my liver and the pain that I was, I was in excruciating pain in my liver for four days. I did that process and I went into a state of euphoria. And later on, when we looked at, you know, liver counts and stuff like this, I, I made a remarkable transformation in my liver health. And it was directly correlated with high dosages with what I would call therapeutic levels or super physiological levels of using enzymes. And so enzymes are a catalyst for every function in your body, everything from thinking to blinking. And there's a guy by the name of Dr. Edward Howell, who demonstrated that the longevity of all any biological organisms is, is inversely related to the amount of enzymes they have present, because that's essentially what does all of the chemical reactions, all of the metabolic results, and they're catalysts that speed up these functions. And so I thought of, well, if you're you know, 70 or 80% of your enzymatic production in humans are, is devoted to actually digesting, absorbing, and utilizing your food. One of the benefits when you fast is that you stop that process. So you free up your natural body's capacity to produce enzymes to whatever level it is. Now, Howell made some caveats. He said the average 40-year-old has less than 30% of the enzymes pool they have as a kid. That's why little kids recover very quickly. They heal from injuries or wounds or things as opposed to senior citizens. So I ascertained if I took massive quantities of enzymes, like I had seen in these outrageous cancer protocols that people were making recoveries from stage four cancers, et cetera. I'm not making any claims, but the, the research is well documented with Gonzalez's had over 12,000 patients doing this. I said, well, maybe the mechanism is that they're adding all these other metabolic workers, if you will, to start healing the body. And sure enough, as I started to experiment it, and then, you know, I supervised you know, literally hundreds of clients in my work with the American Anti-Cancer Institute and people that came to my clinic and stuff, we started to see accelerated results in virtually every category by taking high dosages of enzymes. And that's, for a lot of people, they would find that controversy. But the reality is, is as human organisms or as any animal species is used to consuming an enzymatically rich diet, because they eat, whether they're bears or tigers or you know, horses, you're eating food in a live, enzymatically rich state. And as we live in the modern area where we've monocultured food production and, you know, industrialized food distribution, we solved the caloric issues that plagued humanity, starvation and nutrient deficiency being a big factor 
in, in longevity and health. We studied those programs, but now we're suffering from overconsumption of food and an undernutrification, and we're completely devoid of enzymes. And, and how are predicted all these genetic illnesses that we're now suffering from, the inability to procreate, strange sociological behavior? He predicted this 60 years ago be- that would happen because of the industrialization of food production. So we're there. Uh, we believe that redefining what food is, and food has primarily been allocated to you know fats, carbohydrates, proteins, and a few little minerals thrown in there. But what's left out of it is the key elements of enzymes and the key elements of, of bacteria, healthy bacteria, which would be naturally present in the dietary practices of our ancestors. Those have all been stripped out of it. So without adding those things into your diet, it's almost impossible, if not impossible, to get to an optimal state or to get to what I call a super physiological state. Because we're into not just getting better. We're not just getting getting okay. We're looking at pushing the envelope of, well, how much can we develop? What things can we access? And enzymes, in my opinion, is probably the least looked at topic and the one that has the most benefits. And it's starting to open the door, but we've been on this trend for 20 years and and it's why Bioptimizers is leading the way in this development. No, I could not agree more. My obsession with enzymes is slightly insane. And it's funny, you were just saying that it's not you know, it's not really pursued in any great extent. And I found it really interesting. I've been reading so many books recently about longevity and autophagy and fasting and all these things. And I find that a lot of them do mention enzymes, but it's often like in passing, it's never really dedicated, you know, a large, a large amount to it. And I think it's just so huge. And then on the flip side, I'm actually reading a book right now. It's an older book, but it's called The Enzyme Factor. I don't know if you guys have have read it. It's it's by Dr. Hiromi Shinya. Yeah, Hiromi Shinya. I'm a big student of Hiromi Shinya and a fascinating uh, researcher, well-known guy, of course, who invented the, uh, the little camera that goes up and checks out what's under the hood. Phenomenal book. Yeah, yes. I mean, I'm loving the book so much. The only the only way I wish it could be even more fruitful would be if it had more science. It's more just based on like his own research and and what he's found. But for listeners, so he's a GI doc and he, like you said, Wade, he developed novel methods in colonoscopies for removing polyps. And so he actually, he came up with the the camera thing as well. Yeah. Well, he was a, he's an interesting guy. He's a, he's a Kung Fu master who happened to be ambidextrous that could actually do these results quickly. And then he developed the Shinya tech for removing polyps. So they go out with the camera and remove that with his technique, which is extraordinary. And I think what his big claim to fame was, and this is what difference from maybe scientific research is he's in clinical practice. So he scoped over 400,000 colons. I mean, I mean like, like that's just, that, like that's just it's a mind numbing number. And he also wasn't limited by say a North American paradigm because he was in Japan, which are the leading kind of enzyme culture in the world as part of his year. And then the other half, he was at the, you know, the Beth Israel Center in New York. So here's a guy that did the who's who of virtually every culture, the heads of state, kings, queens, you name it, were going to see this guy. And he wouldn't even treat them unless he put them on enzymes, probiotics, and got them on alkaline water to clean their systems out. He's like, no, I'm not even treating you. That's how strong he was. And his success rate was unparalleled. Yeah, no, the book is fascinating. And like you just said, Wade, true, there's not, 
he doesn't have, you know, the, the clinical research or the science, but he has, he's like seen it and he's seen what works and what doesn't work. And yeah, his takeaway from the book, which it's a really easy read, it's an inspirational read, but it's fascinating. And his takeaway is that he really has seen that these enzyme rich diets are what seem to massively benefit our our GI tract. And when we're lacking in these enzymes from raw foods, eating too many cooked foods, different, you know, dietary approaches that it just creates inflammation and havoc in our GI tract. His whole theory is that there's like this source enzyme in our body and that we only have a limited amount of enzymes. And when they are directed towards one need, then we don't have enough for, you know, other areas of our body, but I'll put a link to it in the show notes. It's fascinating, but yep. Enzymes, (laughs) enzymes are huge. And then Wade, I know we talked about this before, but Matt, you wouldn't know this. So when Jen and I first started this podcast a year and a half, wait, Jen, we figured it out. Was it a year and a half ago? It was April of 2017. So, okay. Yeah. So um, when we first started this podcast and we didn't like know each other or anything. One of our first bonding moments was we realized that we both had one supplement that we took and saw massive health benefits from, and that was serapeptase. Ever since then, we've kind of created like a serapeptase storm. <laughs> now it's like everybody wants serapeptase who listens to our to our podcast, but we've definitely seen you know, the benefits that can be achieved with enzymes, both in the fasted state, like you were discussing, to boost that, those that autophagy clearing out your system and then also enzyme, you know, digestive enzymes with food like you guys make with, with masszymes. Serapeptase is, a, again, it's a proteolytic enzyme. And when you take in proteolytic enzymes on an empty stomach, they, they have systemic, positive systemic effects. You know, and, and we and I have a very similar story. We were blessed to, to learn about enzymes from uh, Dr. Michael O'Brien and we were like, hey, let's try it out. Let's try it out for three, four months. Let's try a high dose enzyme cycle. And that's what we did. And we both experienced some of the most powerful effects we've ever experienced, both from you know, an energy perspective, bowel movements, skin tone, exercise, recovery, fat loss, like everything just up leveled. And that's when we decided, you know what, like we need to make a better version of this. And that's how Mastimes was born. So Mastimes has been around for like 15 years. I think, I think one thing to add too to that is just cognitive function. So many people struggling with an inability to focus or stay thing. I, I, enzymes for improving cognitive focus, I think is unparalleled. Yeah. And that's where also Capex comes in. I mean, if you, if you're, again, you, you have, you need a lot of mental focus and then Capex is incredible. But the point is that, yeah, Wade and I both bonded on enzymes as well. So look at us. We're like the enzyme family here. <laughs> I love it. Oh, I, and I cannot agree more about the mental focus and the brain fog. If you've never experienced brain fog, listeners, you're very lucky, but once you do experience it, you definitely know what it is. It's almost incredible, at least for me, taking enzymes, especially in the fasted state, just clears my head like none other. It's very, very incredible. I think most people are in brain fog, but it's normalized. You know, where Wade and I are from, (laughs) the way they judge a good restaurant is if there's so much food on the plate, they can't finish it, right? Which I know sounds weird, but it's true. And, you know, most people, and it includes my family and and, and I love them, but, you know, let's just be honest about the situation, which is they consider being full bloated and a heavy stomach a normal thing, right? Like, 
I mean, I, I know because I was raised that way. Sign of a good meal. That's if you don't feel that, it's something's wrong. Right. And you know, to me, those are all the signs that either you're eating the wrong thing or you're not producing enough enzymes or you don't have enough stomach acid. Like, you know, feeling heavy, feeling bloated, gas diarrhea, constipation, these are all warning signals that say, hey, let me either add enzymes, add stomach acid, or change what I'm eating or all of the above. So your brain always wants to normalize reality, whatever that is. And like I said, I think most people are, are just living in a state of brain fog and they just think it's normal. Hi, friends. Now, I know most of you are familiar with the power of protein to help us to recompose our bodies, get fitter and leaner by losing body fat and protecting and gaining muscle or lean body mass. Now, protein supplementation is one of the best ways to do it. It is scientifically validated to help us produce high quality weight loss. Now, when it comes to weight loss, traditionally, a lot of people will do high carb, low calorie diets, and those have been shown to generate upwards of 40% lean body mass loss. Now, protecting your lean body mass and your muscle is crucial when you are wanting to lose some fat because during weight loss, you don't want the weight lost to be coming from your muscle. The more muscle you're able to retain, the more you're retaining metabolically active tissue, which is going to keep your metabolic rate much higher and help you maintain the fat loss after you have achieved it. Now, one of the best ways, as I said, to do this is through using protein shakes. I've been on the lookout for years to find a high quality protein supplement that does not have fillers, dyes, artificial sweeteners, and using cheap protein concentrate, which can cause all kinds of issues like bloating and indigestion. I finally created a protein supplement that meets my standards, and it's something that I personally use every single day, and that is Tone Protein. Tone Protein not only is extremely clean and high quality with only whey protein isolate, no concentrates, no fillers. It is also scientifically formulated to optimize muscle protein synthesis, which is going to help you build lean body mass and muscle in the most efficient way possible. I am so incredibly excited about Tone Protein. Not only is it extremely high quality and optimized to help you recompose your body. It is also absolutely delicious. We've been having so much fun with all the different flavors that we are creating, and I just can't wait for you all to try it. Now, I wanted to create a special launch discount for all of you listeners so that you could check it out, try it out, see how you like it, and test it out for yourself. In order to receive that launch discount, you can head over to toneprotein.com and sign up with your name and email address, and you'll receive an email to double opt in to the list, and you'll be the first to know when Tone Protein is available to order, and you will also receive that exclusive launch discount. It is going to be the biggest discount that we ever offer on Tone Protein. So I really want all of you to be able to receive it. So be sure to go to toneprotein.com, sign up with your name and email, and you'll be double opted in to that list. And I am so excited for you all to try it out. Let me know what you think of it and let it help you to optimize your body recomposition goals, get that fat loss and maintain and protect your lean body mass while doing it. 
You know, we hear this with intermittent fasting all the time. You know, I run several large Facebook support groups. We have over a quarter of a million members in these support groups. I mean, it's it's pretty remarkable. But new fasters, as they start to adjust, they'll get to the point and we hear over and over again, help. When I open my window and eat, I feel bloated and gassy and, and they feel bad. And I think that what you were just saying is true that maybe before that was normalized and now that they're doing intermittent fasting, they feel great during the fast. And then here's this feeling that's popping up that now suddenly they don't feel well. And it's a sign that there's something going on in their gut and they don't know how to fix it. They don't know what to do, but it's striking, you know, before when we were eating all day long, we just always were in that brain fog feeling blah. We didn't even know (laughs) we felt bad. And then you start to feel so much better during the fast that it, it like becomes striking. So what would you say? Because we hear that, like I said, all the time. Help, I eat and then I feel gassy and bloated. What do they do? Yeah, so going back to kind of the seven keys, you know, now we're talking about biofeedback, which is just a fancy word that means your body's telling you stuff, right? It's it's sending you signals. You just got to listen. So you know, in terms of troubleshooting that, it's either – you know, again, stomach acid, and, and I won't wait to walk through the five stages of digestion in a second, but it's either usually stomach acid, not enough of it, or not enough enzymes, or it can be bad bacteria, not enough bile. Now, again, bioptimizers, we got the tools to fix all of this stuff. And, you know, one of the things, you know, going back to the whole transhumanism perspective, you know, we are all wired, like physiologically to be born, to peak, in our late 20s, early 30s, and then to decline and die. You know, but as transhumanists, as biohackers, we have the tools to extend that peak, to extend that prime, to elongate our health span. You know, who knows if we can live longer? I, I certainly believe we can and we will. But Well, I'm 50 and I don't feel like I'm declining. So <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That's that's the power of this stuff, right? That's the power of this stuff. But the point is that it is normal that around our mid-30s that our stomach acid starts declining, that our enzyme production starts declining. And that's where using these tools like Capex, like Masszymes, like HCL Breakthrough are, are very powerful. But Wade, why don't you walk through the five stages of digestion? Because I think that that framework can help people troubleshoot their problems. Yeah, I think it's really important that people understand that. So the first stage is basically to 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 taste, touch, sense the food. That actually preps your body starts getting signals, you know, the salivary response, you know, the sense of an increase in hunger by being exposed to the food that support your health. That's the first stage. And then, you know, the food enters into your into your mouth. Now, this is a critical factor that people haven't taken into consideration. And that is, it's a single canal from your mouth to your anus. In other words, just because you eat something doesn't mean it's inside the cells or inside your body. Technically, it's not. It's not actually inside your body. And the only way that it's going to get inside your body, either as energy units or as building blocks for your body, is if you can digest, absorb, assimilate, and utilize the food that you're using, and you can properly eliminate the waste. And so... 
we now live in a world that's very sedentary. We don't move around as much, which has impacts on pelvic floors and our natural cycle of, of contractions inside the body, peristaltic contractions, things like that. Also, how frequently we eat. We eat a lot more frequently than before. So we're kind of returning back to when we had less food around because I think there's parts of it that's beneficial to us. So that stage, then what happens to the food is you chew it and ideally you're masticating it properly, chewing it up really well. That preempts that there's some salivary enzymes that'll break down carbohydrates and things like that. Then the food goes down the esophagus into the upper cardiac portion of the stomach. Now, a lot of people have this kind of vision that there's this like bowl of hydrochloric acid sitting there in your guts ready to burn up everything. That's not the case. Hydrochloric acid is released by the body 30 to 60 minutes after your food. And it's designed to do that for two specific reasons. Reason number one, it's to disinfect the body from parasites, bacteria, other pathogens that could disrupt your microbiome or your health or whatever. And that's one stage. The second thing that hydrochloric acid does is it changes the pH of the food mixture that you have. And what we do know is we're naturally supposed to consume enzymatically rich foods. And if anything has been cooked over 114 degrees, is, is has no enzymes. And so our body has to manufacture enzymes. And what happens is that first 30 to 60 minutes when key amino acids should have been, been breaking down and by your body, they don't get broken down. And even when your body releases enzyme, what you have is incompletely digested proteins, undigested proteins. And any food that you consume that isn't utilized by the body now becomes a potential toxin because it's going to feed the bad bacteria in your microbiome. We'll get to that in a minute. So this critical stage, and one of the key elements, interesting enough, for having high hydrochloric acid is hydration. You need actually water to make hydrochloric acid, which seems kind of ironic, but most people are in a chronic dehydrated state. The average 40-year-old is producing less than 30% of the hydrochloric acid that they're normally doing. And what's happening, they get symptoms of heartburn or acid reflux. And what does the doctor do? It gives them a proton pump to prevent the acids. But what's happening is that acid is actually when you hit a certain level, what happens is you have this esophageal sphincter that closes just at the top of your stomach. And if you don't produce enough hydrochloric acid, that flat stays open and some of the acid inside the system will splash up into your esophagus and start creating damage. And, you know, left unchecked, that's where you get heartburn and that's where you get acid reflux. But left unchecked, that leads to very things like throat cancers, which is on a radical rise because of undigested food. Once that's, if that's happening, probably you're producing a hydrochloric acid, you've masticated the food, you have enzymes present in the food. After that's done, after a couple hours or whatever, what happens is that food chime is going to exit out of the stomach and your body adds what's called bicarbonate buffers. And these are fancy names for minerals that will balance out the pH so that you don't burn holes in your intestinal tract. That's where people get duodenal ulcers and things like that. So as that food chime travels into the intestinal tract, this is where your microbiome, the good, the bad, and the ugly bacteria are going to get to work. And if you have people talking about, you know, balances in their, their microbiome and stuff, basically it's about 10 good percent good guys, 10% bad guys, and 80% opportunists. And the thing is, is you want to get as many good guys in there and you want to get as many bad guys out of there so that you can assimilate the foods. There's a symbiotic relationship between the bacteria in our cells. In fact, without these bacteria, we'd all be dead. 95% of your neurotransmitters in your brain are produced 
by these bacteria, which are metabolizing the food that you're eating and converting them into the polypeptide chains that make people feel good. It's also a key component in, you know, breaking down carbohydrates, fats, proteins, and allowing key elements to get across the gut biome. Now, we've added all these other agents and other chemicals and additives which disrupt that. We've had a highly antibiotic culture that's been propagated for many, many years. And so what happens is that so many people have a compromised microbiome. And so even if they're getting all the rest of it done, they're out of balance. They're not digesting their food well. They feel upset. They get sick all the time. And then what that happens to do is it disrupts your natural elimination cycle. That's the final stage is to eliminate the waste after you've assimilized the nutrients and the energy units that you require in order to exist. And so what a lot of people benefit, say, from an intermittent fasting program or restricted eating or ketogenic diet is what they're doing is they're limiting the inflammatory agents inside the body. And they're creating a space where your body's natural healing cycles will be able to repair the intestinal lining will help restore your body back. But in a lot of cases, it's not enough and they need to optimize that. And that's why augmenting your diet for at least 90 days with uh, high dosages of enzyme, hydrochloric acid and microbiome or good probiotics tends to reset the gut and get your body back to an optimal state so that you get more out of your ketogenic diet, more out of your intermittent fasting, or uh, if you're on a plant-based diet like myself, you just become optimized to assimilate and utilize that. And that's what we're all about. It's why we educate people and, and you know, the results speak for themselves. There's a reason we've been around for 15 years and, and are growing at leaps and bounds now because 12% of the emergency hospital visits today are gastrointestinal issues. I mean, they're going in an ambulance. They're having interactive surgeries. 25% of the population is on antidepressants. A third of the population is suffering from some sort of digestive issue. And again, that's because of food production and food distribution cycles. And so we have to take intervention. I like all the technology that's available to us. I love the advantage of massive food supply and all these things. But that can also be a toxin. And, and taking care of our digestive health paves the way to success in every other area of our life. Wow. That's very informative. <laughs> very helpful. I didn't realize that that was such a high percentage of hospitalizations. I think it is a unobserved or untalked about issue because if you also look at the other big three, you look at cancer, heart disease, and diabetes. Well, guess what? Those are all correlated to lifestyle choices and dietary choices. And so if you actually look at how much, I would say that at least 80%, maybe close to 90% of the degenerative conditions and illnesses that we are experiencing as a population can be avoided by improving your digestive health, period. And intermittent fasting is an option, ketogenic diets, planted, all those, whatever method gets you there, but at the foundational component is you've got to be able to utilize the food that you're eating and it's got to be in a way that allows you, that doesn't compromise your organ functioning. Well, you know, we've only known this since Hippocrates, right? You know, let food be thy medicine. How have we forgotten it? Yeah. He also said all disease begins in the gut. Right. I mean, we how long when did he live? <laughs> you know, what's old is new again and also fasting. Yeah, you know, so uh, it used to be forced fasting and now we're doing it because, it, it, you know, our bodies, keep in mind, like we're talking about billions of years of evolution to get to the human side of it. And I think so much 
of our population is focused on technological advancements or social conditioning experiments is all the ones that are going on in the various countries. But the reality is, is good luck trying to trump billions of years of evolutionary biology. And the people that are kind of getting away from that are getting into these kind of echo chambers and social media about, you know, just reconfirming their biases. You know, this has no place in real science and, and real health technology. And I think we're, you know, I really appreciate being on here for you guys providing insight for people who are doing their own clinical experiences on the, on themselves. Right. N equals one. To go back to your question of how to troubleshoot, you know, in, in our opinion, in our experience, in our client's experience, like the perfect digestion combo for any meal or for most meals is, you know, enzymes, a probiotic like P3OM and then hydrochloric acid. You can digest anything. Now, the, the right blend of enzymes for different meals, of course, will optimize that even more. Capex for people on keto or high-fat meals or paleo. You know, we got masszymes, which works great for vegetarians, works great as well for paleo. There's more different types of enzymes. We have P3OM, which is a patented probiotic, which is also proteolytic. So it will help break down the proteins and help get more amino acids from the protein, which is what matters. And then we have another product called HCL Breakthrough, which is basically a hydrochloric acid, which is stomach acid. So those, you know, that combination of those, you can digest literally anything, have no bloating, no gas, feel awesome, have more energy, and just get more nutrients out of your food. And by the way, when you are on vacation or cheat meals or cheat days, then Gluten Guardian is your best friend. So we do have that product, which is awesome for when you want to go enjoy breads and pastas and pastries and pizzas, which which I do again once a week. So so let me ask you one, one more thing about that. So you mentioned the P3OM, the HCL breakthrough, and the mastozymes as being something really anyone could use to help them. Die. So what would be the timing? How would you, like, let's say you're somebody like me, I have a snack to open my window, then later I have a meal because I'm intermittent fasting, you know, before the snack and then have my meal and then start the fast again. How would you time those, the P3OM, the HCL breakthrough, the mastozymes? I just take them with the meals. Now, what I do, what what I will change though, is how much. So I'd say, like for every thousand calories of food, which if you're just eating one meal a day, you're probably at that or above that. You're probably about five capsules of Masszymes will do the trick, and then two, three capsules of P3OM, and you know, two or three capsules of HCL. If it's a high fat meal and you want to use Capex. It's really strong. So like one or two caps does the trick on the enzyme side. So that's pretty much what I do. Wait, any further comments to that? Yeah. So I always, you know, and everybody kind of determines by the meal size that they have. So I would say three being an ordinary meal, five being a, a heavier meal, and one would be like a snack kind of thing. I always take the enzymes before I eat hydrochloric acid after, and then I take the P3M before bed. As it goes through the whole system, it's a very unique probiotic that I think works really well on an empty stomach, particularly before you go to bed. Gotcha. Now, I take magnesium at bedtime also. Would the P3OM be fine to take along with the magnesium? Oh, yeah. 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 We're big magnesium proponents. Well, that's a whole other topic, us getting into magnesium. So circling back a little bit to the beginning of the conversation with the keto, we did have just a few quick last questions or topics we wanted to clarify for listeners, if you guys are open to it. For the ketogenic diet, do you think 
it is potentially beneficial for everyone? Are there some people that it's just probably never going to work for? Do you think genetics come into play? Because we get from listeners, a lot of people seem to really thrive on it, but then some some people say that it really worked and then it stopped working. And then some say it can just never make it work. So what do you think is going on there? Do you think everybody could potentially give it a go, see if it works for them? And if so, how long should they give it? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So first of all, there's certainly genetic factors, which I'm going to, I can fly through that will, I would say dictate if people are going to thrive on it or do okay on it or struggle on it. And again, going back to Caucasian, you know, let's just say European genetics, a lot of that, because again, you know, we we had to adapt to, to long winters, short summers. So there's just a an epigenetic adaptation that's happened for a long time. And epigenetics get passed on generation to generation, just like genetics do. So we know that for sure, again, what your grandfather ate, what your grand-grandfather ate, et cetera, et cetera, grandmother has affected who you are, who we are today. But in terms of certain genes, again, we talked about the CPT1A, the Arctic mutation. You know, some people, there's the FADS1 gene, which has been found in vegetarian farmers that help them biosynthesize omega-3s and omega-6 long-chain polyunsaturated fatty acids. In other words, they can kind of use plant-based fatty acids to do what they need inside the body. There's PEMT activity, especially in women, which can affect their, their choline levels. You know, there's vegetarian genetics such as Amy One, which is a kind of going back to what Wade was saying, it produces more amylase in the saliva. There's lactase genetics, which of course, you know, people that are lactose intolerance have issues with. Then there's even fasting genetics. So for an example, people that have they call it the coastal adaptation gene, the PPAR alpha gene, you know, the certain variants, they actually get stressed out fasting. Because again, from a evolutionary standpoint, you know, they have the Mediterranean genes and there was like an abundance of food all the time. So they never really had to adapt to not having food, which is kind of interesting. And a good friend of mine here in Panama, he's, a, he's actually a keto coach. He gets that response and he has Mediterranean genetics. So when he fasts, like his heart rate variability drops, his heart rate goes up. Like, And I get the opposite response. For me, my body really likes that. There's saturated fat intake genetics like ADRB2, APOA2, which is the eat fat, get fat gene, the satiation gene. So that you know directly relates to appetite. There's the hangry gene, which is the FTO3. Anyways, there's the APOC-C3, which helps regulate blood triglycerides as well as LDL. So there's a lot of genes that you know, could keep going on and on. Including, you know, if you're exhausted on keto, maybe you have the, the ACAT variant, which could be an issue. Yeah. So the point is that there's definitely a lot of nutrigenomics at play that will make people eat or thrive. But let me jump to, can you hack that? And I think you can. That's where CAPEX and other things can come in. But let's also talk about 
how clean is your keto? Like I, I love, I'm, I'm happy that the term dirty keto got created. I don't know who came up with it, but it is accurate. And in my experience in this, I was being carnivore before carnivore became a thing. And that was an intuitive thing where, okay, if I really want to maximize my fat loss results, if I really want to maximize my energy, I would just go right to pure carnivore. And I still do that. And I still notice the benefits because I think, again, if you're eating processed foods, there's a lot of, of course, keto processed foods. And if you use them as treats once in a while or a cheat meal once in a while, it's okay. But if you're constantly making fat bombs and all of these things, I think it's, a, you know, can create inflammation either because you're using things like coconut oil, which again, I obviously have some genetic issues with coconut oil, even dairy. So in my opinion, a lot of people, if they want to take their keto results to the next level, eliminate A1 protein. So that means like all, pretty much all cow-based dairy products should be eliminated. Why? Because they're extremely inflammatory. A2 protein doesn't create the same problem. So you can have, you know, goat cheese and sheep cheese and bison cheese. And, you know, those are A2 proteins. But I've noticed, and it's something I noticed way back in the day, like even like 20 years ago as a trainer, if I would pull out dairy, you know, if people hit a fat loss plateau, just pulling out the dairy would kind of unlock their, their next fat loss wave. And I didn't understand it at the time, because on a calorie level, it didn't make sense. They were just putting a little bit of maybe cream in their coffee, stuff like that. But now we know that it's the inflammatory response. And if your body's inflamed, you're not going to be burning fat very effectively. And especially if your liver is backed up, which is another way that Capex helps. Because we have had some, some really uh, pretty impressive reports of people being stuck and then using Capex and unlocking the next wave of fat loss. And, and I think it directly correlates to a backed up liver. You know, they call it a fatty liver. So anyways, I, I think if you really clean up your diet and, and, you know, if you have to go to carnivore level and if that doesn't work, then yeah, you certainly don't have the genetics to do it. Or again, do a 23andMe, download the, the raw data file, upload it to Promethease, and then look for these mutations or hire someone who's a nutrigenomic expert to walk you through them. Those are what I would recommend that people do that are struggling with keto or just not getting the same results. And again, you know, you, you might not have the enzymes, the hydrochloric acid to properly break down the food and either break down the fats, the fatty acids or the protein into amino acids. And that's where, you know, Capex, Masslimes, all these things come in. Hi friends. An incredible fasting aid is coffee. Yes, I am all about the coffee. I am a huge fan of its health benefits as well as how it can support your fast and really help with energy and fat burning. And I have a big announcement. The brand of coffee that I have been drinking for an entire decade now, I am no longer drinking. There's some drama, there's some science, and I'm about to tell you how to get a discount on my new favorite coffee. So I've been drinking the coffee formerly known as Dave Asprey's Bulletproof Coffee for literally a decade. I do not drink it now, so this is not a Bulletproof Coffee commercial, but I started drinking it because I so trusted Dave and his obsession in creating mold-free coffee because moldy coffee beans is a huge problem and a lot of people can get health issues, brain fog, and crash after coffee because of the mold 
contamination. David's been talking about this for so long, so I really trusted him and I would drink Bulletproof coffee, which I absolutely loved and loved that it was mold-free. Then there was some drama. Dave sort of got kicked out of Bulletproof. He might be going back. There's a lot of stuff going on with that. Follow him on Instagram if you want to learn more about that. He even talked about it at the recent biohacking conference. But in any case, <laughs> drama aside, he can no longer speak to Bulletproof coffee as to whether or not it is mold-free. And he ended up making a coffee even better than Bulletproof coffee. And it is called Danger Coffee. And friends, I love it. It's the first coffee that is not only mold-free, but actually can help you remineralize. Yep, that's right. Danger Coffee contains a patent-pending formula that actually remineralizes your body with more than 50 trace minerals, nutrients, and electrolytes. On top of that, it is super clean. I know people like to see organic labels. Friends, I have learned so much about the certification industry. And honestly, the best of the best is finding people that you trust who do extensive testing and third-party certification. That's what I do with my Avalon X supplements. And that's what Dave does with Danger Coffee. So with Danger Coffee, they use a process that far exceeds government and industry standards. And it is third-party lab tested. So you can rest assured it is free of mold toxins. As for the flavor, Dave selected these hand-picked farm direct beans for their quality, their superb flavor, and their elevated performance. I love the taste of it. It's much richer and more nuanced than Bulletproof Coffee. It's honestly one of the best coffees I've ever tasted, and it's so exciting to know that when I'm drinking it, I'm actually helping to remineralize my body. So that's right. If you want your coffee to contain antioxidants, anti-inflammatories, micronutrients, and help optimize your fasting, you want Danger Coffee. And of course, I have a discount for you guys. You can go to melanieavalon.com slash dangercoffee and use the coupon code melanieavalon to get 10% off. Again, that is melanieavalon.com slash dangercoffee with the coupon code melanieavalon for 10% off. This is my favorite coffee. Like I said, it takes some really good coffee and convincing biohacking health reasons to break me from my 10-year decade bulletproof coffee habit but sometimes you just got to upgrade. And by the way, this would make epic presents for people. This can just become your go-to present. Not only will people love it, but you'll be helping their health as well. Everybody wins. MelanieAvalon.com slash Danger Coffee with the coupon code Danger Coffee. I just really enjoy hearing all of that because we're so used to hearing that, you know, if you don't do well on keto, you just didn't keto hard enough. And to hear from someone who fully embraces keto, lives the lifestyle, understands the science of it, that guess what? <laughs> there are actual reasons in your genes why it may not be the right thing for you is just, I've been saying that to people, you know, in the Facebook support groups, people come in and they're like, keto for all. <laughs> and you're like, no, we don't think so. And then they're like, you must be really stupid. <laughs> and to hear it explained scientifically the way that you just did, Matt, is just is so exciting to hear because it's it's what my research has shown me. My second book, Feast Without Fear, really goes into why we're all different when it comes to what foods work well for us. And you know, you start to learn about the gut microbiome, your genetics, and really we can say, okay, a vegetarian and a keto guy can start a company together and everybody's eating what works for them. Yeah, my in my like just observation, again, I got no massive study to back this up, but I'd say like 30, 40% of the population would, they thrive on keto and then probably another 30, 40% can do well on it. 
and adapt to it. And there's probably about 10, 20% that probably shouldn't be on keto. Well, that's me. I'm one of those people. And I had my DNA done with 23andMe. I downloaded the raw data. I ran it through Xcode Life. They have a platform that pulls out all of your your SNPs and looks at them and then makes a recommendation for you. Saturated fat is, is fine for me, but it says that I will do better on a higher carb approach, lower fat approach. And like, for example, olive oil is not really the best for me, which was a shocker. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm giving an example. I'm on a, I'm on a, I would call myself a carbivore. You know, I eat a lot of carbohydrates and, you know, I just recently got my insulin blood sugar response and I'm running at 0.4, which is, you know, that's, that's a keto, like this is where people are trying to get in a ketogenic diet. I'm knocking back, you know, salads and nuts and eating apples and oranges, you know what I mean? Like, so, you know, which would, would probably throw Matt into some sort of like tailspin of some sort, you know, well, right after we get off off this this episode, I'm going to go mill some wheat and make fresh bread. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, you know, I now you're talking because my mom's a bread bread maker, and she's she, so far she's undefeated in getting people to consume her bread. I know Matt's a VIP member of that group, so I'm all about homemade bread. I mean, that's a whole other food group category that's it's, it's kind of untouchable. <laughs> Well, all the enzymes are right there from what I understand. When you when you start with the wheat in its whole form and you, you mill it, the enzymes are preserved and then you use it right away and it helps you digest it. Perhaps we do have one nice question that might bring everything full circle because we started by talking about, you know, who's keto appropriate for getting into keto, how to make it work, should you be there? And now we're talking about, you know, is it is it for life or is it not working? Transitioning off of a potential ketogenic diet or, you know, entering some sort of perhaps fat adapted maintenance diet, which isn't necessarily ketogenic. What would that look like? For example, we have a a question from Anna and her subject was keto transition to paleo. And she said that she was fairly new to IF, was doing 18.6, started listening to the podcast, started keto at the same time, which hit her pretty hard with low energy, feeling lethargic, but now she feels great. But despite that... After reading one of my posts on keto, she wanted to say, is it, is it safe to say that keto would be a good vehicle for fat burning and weight loss, but that she should transition to a more paleo style diet for maintenance? She says, I had a very paleo focused diet before, but it was low in calories. Should I wait until my fasting becomes more natural? I'm looking for the healthiest way to maintain as much as I like the keto diet. I don't think this is something I can do for life without getting insane with carb tracking. Also, I miss sweet potatoes. I would love to hear your comments. So yeah, so for listeners who maybe keto did work or didn't work or does work, you know, transitioning from keto, is that possible? Like, like, what does that look like? Like a maintenance diet for life is or, or is keto a maintenance diet for life? Yeah, great question. And, and we're back to the first key to, optim- to biologically optimize your diet, which is sustainability. And I love the fact that she's clear that for her, again, for psychological reasons, that uh, keto is not sustainable for life. And for her, it's a short-term thing. 
So I think that clarity is, is awesome. And I think in terms of if you are doing keto and you want to get off keto, you want to be smart about it. And what is smart? It's slowly bringing back carbs. You know, going from, let's say, 20, 30 grams of carbs to 300 grams of carbs, you're going to have issues, right? So, you know, again, bringing back sweet potatoes. And I, I, I think like the three diets that Wade and I support wholeheartedly is plant-based, paleo, or keto. You know, just find the one that, again, works for you based on all the things we discussed. And going from keto to paleo is a great transition because, again, you can bring back some low glycemic, low glycemic load carbs like sweet potato and, you know, slowly start increasing your carbs so that your weight doesn't spike up so that your insulin doesn't get out of whack. So I I love that move. I think that's what I typically recommend for people who want to get off keto is to shift over to paleo. But I think the biggest key is just slowly bring back the carbs, you know, go from 20, 30 grams to maybe 75 to 100 to 125. And there is, in terms of maintaining your weight, there's probably, again, an optimal point of, of carbs. I do think that Again, unless you're genetically wired like Wade is, who does really well on carbs and doesn't gain a lot of fat, that people that do do well on keto who want to get off, yeah, probably, you know, 100 grams to 150 grams tops is probably where they want to settle at and increase their protein intake and, again, keep their fat probably around 20 percent, give or take. So paleo is great for that. I think that's pretty much kind of the ratios you would naturally fall upon. And question for that, if a person is on a higher fat keto, when they do decide to bring back more carbs, should they first titrate down the fat before bringing back any carbs and then slowly bring in the carbs? Or can they still slowly bring in the carbs while maintaining a higher fat approach just because of what we were talking about, the um, the potential dangers of being in both a higher carb and a higher fat situation at the same time? Yeah. I mean, I I think that happens naturally. Again, you might shift your proteins a little bit. You might go from a a ribeye to a skirt (laughs) in terms of your cuts of meat, or you might go from, you know, pork to fish. I mean, just shifting these food choices, your fat intake is going to probably cut in half and your protein intake is probably going to double. So I think just shifting your food choices a little bit and you know, because to me, if you're on keto, you want to be eating high, high fat meat and high fat fish and high fat seafood versus if you're on paleo, then you'd probably start, like I said, titrating down. And that, that happens pretty organically. So again, yeah, I wouldn't eat as much pork. I wouldn't eat as much ribeyes as I would naturally do on keto if I personally shifted to paleo. I think that's also great advice because right now we're in a crazy place with dietary advice. You know, if you run a large Facebook diet support group, you'll see (laughs) the advice that some people throw out to anyone if you're struggling. They say, eat more fat. And I'm like, please stop giving that advice because that is not a universal, you know, approach that people should give. In fact, one person took me to task for something I said on my other podcast, Intermittent Fasting Stories where we were talking about what if we started to gain weight? What if my pants got tight? I said, well, I would just use a little less butter on my roll. And she said, you are wrong because there's no such thing as too much fat. Fat is good. And I'm like, no, where have we gotten? (laughs) How have we gotten to this? It's like the pendulum has gone too far the other direction. Fat is not bad or scary, but that doesn't mean it's a free food. Nothing is. 
Well, yeah, first of all, the calories matter, but even getting ripped and shredded. So Kevin Weiss, who's my coach and Wade used to compete against them back when in the competitive days, what he would do, he would do keto and he would actually drop his fat and increase his protein to get shredded. And going back to being fat adapted, like let's say you're that third phase of fat adapted, like you're really fat adapted, then when you drop your fats down, your body's not going to start converting protein into glucose as, and that's the big fear, right? Okay, my protein's too high. I'm going to start you know, do, having gluconeogenesis, which is to use the protein, turn it into glucose. Now, it might happen a little bit, but your body, once it's, once it's used and comfortable and happy burning fat, it will continue burning fat even as you're, you're titrating the fats down and increasing the proteins. So yeah, I think in, in the real world, people have too much fear. So as a general strategy, I think starting with a lot of fat early on in your keto journey makes a lot of sense. But again, past that three month, six month, 12 month mark, in my experience, it's not as critical. You can start dropping the fats and increasing the proteins. But these are people that are not doing keto, just telling everyone to eat more fat. That's where the the danger is coming in. It's not like everybody's keto and just eat more fat. It's people who are eating, like for me, I'm having bread, I'm having butter, I'm having pasta, I'm having whatever. The answer for me, if I wanted to lose more weight, would not be add more fat to that plate. (laughs) But people were like, you're wrong, Jen. You should not eat less fat or less butter on your roll. And I'm like, well, I actually (laughs) don't think that's a good weight loss strategy, add more fat, because they hear it in the keto community, but didn't try to carry it over to everyone. Yeah, I definitely think that's an issue. One last like rapid fire question that I've been actually dying to ask the whole podcast with something like you were mentioning coconut oil or MCT oil or something that is naturally rich in, especially with MCT oil, direct ketones that could be provided to the body. Would it be possible that having too much of that for too long when trying to become keto adapted or ketogenic, that the body would never like learn how to produce its own endogenous ketones because it's constantly processing exogenous ketones or is there, or is that not something to be concerned about? It's a great question, which I don't have a hard answer to, but what I can tell you, first of all, it's hard to consume too much MCT oil because it causes too much digestive distress. Like for me, you know, more than a tablespoon a day, it's just, I start having problems. So it's hard to consume a lot of it. And I think, again, in early on, it makes sense. But yeah, after a couple of weeks, I'm, I'm not a fan of using ketone salts or ketone esters or too much MCT. There are tools in the toolbox and I'll use them occasionally. And you know, one of the ways some people use it is to be dual fuel. So in other words, you, know, you can be eating carbs and use ketone esters. And if you're fat adapted, like if, if you're actually a fat adapted person, but even if you're out of ketosis, you'll actually burn both glucose and ketones at the same time. Now that's powerful. And a couple times a year, we do this really intense brain training for a week and I'll go dual fuel. So I'll, I'll be eating a little bit of carbs and taking about 60 grams of esters a day and it makes a big difference. But that's a really 
again, once in a blue moon kind of thing, we can talk about that. Maybe we'd be talking about biohacking. But the point is, I agree with the theory that you want to become effective and efficient at breaking down long chain fatty acids. In other words, the saturated fats and all these things, which if you're just consuming MCT all the time, yeah, maybe it'll slow down that adaptation. That's the very, very possible. Gotcha. Yeah. And especially also thinking of it in the context of Jen and I know we get a lot of bulletproof coffee questions. (laughs) So just throwing that out there. Well, this has been absolutely amazing. We still had so many things that we could obviously touch on, but we will just have to save those for a future episode. But thank you so much, Matt and Wade, for being here. Thank you for everything that you're doing. It's so wonderful that we could have this conversation with you guys. It sounds like despite how different we all are in our dietary approaches, I think we all are, we really have this really similar mindset surrounding diet about the uniqueness for the individual, finding what works for you, the importance of genetics, the importance of digestion, gut health, so many things. So this has been a wonderful conversation and we definitely look forward to speaking more with you guys in the future. Yeah. And we have a really special exclusive deal for all the listeners, which is if they go to Kenergize.com, that's Energize with the K, K-E-N-E-R-J, sorry, G-I-Z-E.com forward slash IF podcast. So Kenergize.com slash IF podcast, very exclusive offer that you won't find really anywhere else. And you can get Capex and some other really cool products at incredible prices. So check it out. Awesome. Yes. So we will put links to all of that in the show notes and we are super duper grateful for that. And listeners, if you do have any follow-up questions surrounding this episode, you can directly email your questions to questions at ifpodcast.com or you can go to ifpodcast.com and you can submit questions there. And we, we look forward to hearing future questions, your feedback about this episode, your experiences, hit us with it all. So This has been absolutely wonderful. And I hope everybody enjoys their weekend because it's almost the weekend. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. I really enjoyed the whole chat. It's been awesome. All right. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Please remember that everything discussed on the show is not medical advice. We're not doctors. You can also check out our other podcasts, Intermittent Fasting Stories and the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast. Theme music was composed by Leland Cox. See you next week.